Come on. The strong, the powerful Maceo Jordan is here on Money Savage Create. Welcome, Maceo. Good to be here. Thanks, George. Yeah. Maceo is an entrepreneur, having created over $285 million in revenue. He helps companies grow and scale and has a passion for making the complicated sound easy. Again, I'm excited to have you on. Maceo, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, man. How much time do we have again? (laughs) So I I got started as an entrepreneur early in life. Uh, You know, I was eight, nine years old, delivering newspapers. Um, And then as I was delivering those papers, developed my first business. I was selling these little uh, bird feeders. I would, you know, make make a little contraption out of a baby food jar with clothespins and peanut butter and birdseed. But that's where I think the foundation of my entrepreneurship started, because for whatever reason, I figured out if I got the buyers first, then everything else would kind of take care of itself. Hmm. Uh, And that one thought has driven most of my entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, So how did I get here? It was by, you know, it's by chasing ever, ever larger groups of buyers uh, because that ultimately is what's going to you know, drive the size of the business. Right? So if you talk to a venture capitalist, they want to know what's your total addressable market. Uh, yeah, it's a fancy way of saying how many people are out there in the world buying the kind of crap that you're selling. <laughs> <laughs> how many people need that bird feeder, Maceo? Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, <laughs> in my little world, everybody, those those little old ladies were snapping them up. Right. They sold like hotcakes. They did, but what was funny about it is it, I, I quit the business because it, came, it became work. They were so effective, uh, and I didn't really think it through, that I, like I would need to refill, uh, or I could refill, i say it that way. Because <laughs> when I came, to, came by to deliver the newspapers, they're like, oh, you know, can you, can you refill this for me? And I'm thinking, you know, get your own peanut butter. You know what right. I mean? It's like, what? So to, to the, the opportunity to make more money escaped me. It was it was too much work at the time. <laughs> yeah, see, you were you were on that recurring revenue model way early, dude. I was. The, I think I can say the first. I don't know if anybody's had a you know an earlier one. I was like the seventies, dude. <laughs> like legit, you uh you you developed that. How funny! You got to work that into uh, your talks moving forward. Now, now that we're talking about, it, I think I should. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. So. Nice. All right. So you've been at this. You've been at this for for a good little while. It it is it is maybe even in your blood, and you've had success in. I imagine um, starting from the 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 bird feeding industry to. Uh, I think that you're working in in healthcare right now, and probably everywhere in between. Does it matter what the industry is? You know what? Um, and so this draws on my martial arts background, and early on in that journey. Um, the, one of the lessons I got was uh, encapsulated in, a, in an answer to a, a string of questions. And the instructor said, the nature of your questions will change as you work with the technique. And that was profound, not quite fortune cookie profound, because it actually has some <laughs> use. And you know what? The dude was right. As I worked with it, you know, all the nagging questions I was hitting him with just went away. And I think sometimes you know, we forget as entrepreneurs that a lot of what we pick up is through working with the technique. Um, I mean, you, I can see obviously in your background, you know, you've got a lot of books, I've got a lot of books. Um, but I, I think sometimes we spend a little bit too much time there. 
Um, so yeah, I, th I think a, a big part of uh, of what's made the world make sense for me was was based on that early teaching. But it was also, um, you know, from there an understanding that my subconscious was a lot stronger than my conscious minds, you know, so I process a lot of stuff in the background. Uh, and, you know, you can read about entrepreneurs, uh, you know, like Thomas Edison would take naps during the day. You know, you hear these little anecdotes. Um, yeah, and so that idea of the the brain having a lot more horsepower in the background was something that I also grabbed onto as a very, very young person. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. How did you come to realize that? Was it somebody that you, you kind of turned you on to that? That's an interesting question. I, you know, I was, I was heavy into uh, fantasy as a, as a young kid, spent a lot of time uh, in libraries for some reason. Although interestingly enough, I never, I never got work done on what I was supposed to be working on, but <laughs> like, it just struck me that there was so much knowledge, I guess. Cause you know, I would go off into, into the bowels of the library and just read stuff. I, at, I'd have to dig for a minute, but yeah, it was, it was somewhere in those journeys yeah. that I picked it up. Um, but I do know it was rooted in another childhood experience was watching a PBS show, this dude had hypnotized a woman. She was riding a stationary bike, took a, a spoon out of a, uh, a jar, glass of ice water, touched her hand and said, I just touched your hand with a hot poker. And you, on camera, blister formed on her hand. Oh, wow. And I distinctly remember as a kid thinking, I can't trust my brain. But also it <laughs> opened up the, the possibilities of how powerful the mind was. What an interesting response that, that you go to, I can't trust my brain, which is, which is a thousand percent correct, right? Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Nice. What a, what, what a neat experience to have as a, as a young person. So, all right. So you, you figured out that if you could get the buyers first, then you're really well positioned to, to help companies grow. And I think that probably everybody says, yeah, I'd like to do that. So, but how, how, how do you go about that? Which is a big Guys, question. It is so much easier than people make it. Um, just go find somebody. I mean, seriously, stop somebody on the side of the road, you know, go into a hotel lobby, uh, you know, go to a conference. You know, the, the, there are a million different ways that you can get it done. So I'll, I'll, I'll share those, maybe some more practical stuff. When I, when I built my, my large e-commerce company, um, one of the things that, that we offered was in the financial arena. You know, I came from the hedge fund world. Uh, funny enough, when I was getting into digital marketing, it didn't occur, even occur to me to sell a, you know, a financial newsletter or anything like that. But I eventually took, as we said in the army, took my head out of my fourth point of contact, uh, <laughs> which is your butt by the way. Uh, and, got involved with, with financial newsletters. And so then, back then they had uh, companies that would go around to hotels and do uh, sales pitches. You know, it'd be two, three, four hours. Uh, I went to every single one and asked people, why did you buy, why didn't you buy? And then I just listened and wrote, you know, wrote down notes on, on what they said. And so very quickly, you, know, you, you glean information from your market. Again, go where the buyers are. It's, it's just not that complicated. Sometimes, you know, with the ease of uh, digital marketing, we get the illusion that we can reach our buyers, which you can, um, but just keep in mind, you know, your, my old economics professors would say there's, there are no free lunches. And so what you're doing is trading efficiency for convenience. Uh, and that goes back to a copywriting mentor of mine, his name is Gary Halbert. Um, he died in 2007. Um, 
but he would say the the internet is very inefficient. So if you were going to generate you know a thousand leads online, you'd need to send a million emails, as an example, uh, versus generating a thousand leads offline. You know maybe you'd have to send two or three or four thousand direct mail pieces. Um, I mean I'm grossly oversimplifying sure. the numbers, but you know that so we forget that sometimes that yeah we've got some convenience, but it doesn't mean it's the most efficient or even the most effective. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Yeah, that is a, do you think that that's a trap for people? Oh, absolutely. And, and look, you're talking to a digital marketer. I mean, I, I started marketing on these platforms when they were born. I mean, I sold my first product online in 1994, 1995. Huh. I was on IRC chat selling I laugh at now I'm the old guy in the room, but uh, back then, way back in my day, uh, you know, there were these huge, like six to nine foot satellite dishes you would put in your backyard hmm. and they would direct connect to satellites. And so it was called C band satellite, like the letter C. And so this was something that you had to have installed a contractor would have to come out and like put a post down and run a, you know, a cable into your house. This was a big deal. And I was selling that online. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying any of this, like I'm some kind of Luddite and wanting to get rid of it. It's just that I've, I've sold in all kinds of different environments, you know, whether it's in person, on the phone, via fax machine. And you know, at the end of the day, one of the things that this digital world has forced us to forget is we're talking to living, breathing human beings. Mm. Uh, you know, these are not bits and bytes, you know, this is not some kind of abstraction. Um, so yeah, if, is it a crutch? 100%. Um, but also, you know, I'll just come out and say it. We've been sold a bill of goods. You know, there, most of what, most of what we, we see in terms of digital marketing, um, from its utility standpoint, it's been overstated. I'll put it like that. Uh, but part of it, you got to remember Google's a publicly traded company, Facebook. I mean, these companies are there to pick your pocket. They want you to spend all of your money. They don't care if you win or you lose. It's just like the casino. They just want you coming back. And so you get this, this little flywheel or, or self-fulfilling uh, situation where the individuals that are in the environment, they don't want to piss off Google because then they think, oh, I'm going to be out with you know, the big G or with Facebook. And of course, you know, people now are getting banned all the time, which over the years has not happened a whole lot. I've, I've never, I mean, I've never had that fear. Uh, in fact, I've always been pre pretty black hat because last time I looked, Google isn't the NSA. Like they're, they're like Joe's Pizza down the street. They just happen to have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So it's fascinating, right? That that you were selling these massive satellite dishes, <laughs> you know, back. I mean, that's early internet days, right? Ninety four, um, and and then. You know, you fast forward to where we are today, and that, that's the reality is that Google does want all of your money, and they do not care how you're doing, right? They just want you to keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you have, have uh, really, I think, famous marketers like Seth Godin talking about how you just need to find what, what really your community is and, and your end user, right? Yep. Um, how, how, where do you come down? Well, I, I guess just – that's really what you're talking about is really building your community, right? Because if you can, you know, show up and 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 provide value to people, they're going to come back no matter what it is that you're doing. 
Well, yeah, a little bit. And I, I offer this as, as a way of a disclaimer. So I've got a, a weird personality trait, um, which, you know, maybe I can even call it a disability at this point. <laughs> so if you if you take a, the big five personality test, uh, which is, you know, very well researched and blah, 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 blah. Sure. Um, what, one of the aspects is called politeness. That's not please and thank you. It's more, uh, you know, giving deference to people for their position. And so I don't care if you're Seth Godin or the president of the United States. If you say something stupid, I'm going to say that's stupid. <laughs> um, so one of the things I think we've got to remember about even Seth, which I I mean, I, I've known him. We've been you know acquainted in the past. It's been years uh, since I've run in those same circles. But you got to remember, he is selling marketing stuff. Mm. Gary Vaynerchuk is selling marketing stuff. So Gary, in order to continue to build his agency, needs to convince everybody that social media is a great thing. So I'm just saying, like, as, as entrepreneurs, we need to realize and understand that these folks have a vested interest in what they're saying, which means by default, they're going to have a bias. Right. So I think our job as entrepreneurs is to ferret out their bias, not that it makes them bad or, or evil or anything like that. But it certainly doesn't mean that just because he's Seth Godin that we need to listen to him or just because he's Gary Vaynerchuk, we need to listen to him. And I, even as a a more important point, I think, for entrepreneurs, it's a way for us to invest our money in our companies better. Um, you know, I've I've seen people, whether it's as a hedge fund trader or as an entrepreneur, I've seen people plow literally their life savings plus some into ideas based on information that they were getting from biased sources. Uh, so I mean, I've I've lived through it, I've seen it, and you know, it's it's not like getting more to to the point of your question. It's not just that you've got to find a community. It's that you have to identify who the people are, like what are their demographics? What Facebook pages do they like? You know, if you're on Google, you know, what websites do they frequent? So you can target those on GDN or which Google Display Network. Uh, you know, what YouTube videos do they watch or not watch? Because YouTube for the longest time skewed male and young. So if you're trying to reach, you know, older women, forget about it. You just weren't going to find a lot of them. So you do need to understand that. But most importantly, you have to understand who they are. Like, what are they getting out of it? Years ago, I wrote uh, a sales letter. Now, I, I did warn you. I, it took me a while to get my brains together. So I was selling a <laughs> sewing course. My mother was an heirloom seamstress. I figured, okay, I've got somebody that can actually talk to yeah. talk sewing to people. I wrote the sales letter. Uh, John Carlton, famous copywriter. Gary Halbert, famous copywriter. Both were mentoring me at the time. Um, I wrote a sales letter. John hated it. He's like, you got to grab him by the throat. You need to sell. Gary loved it. So I wrote another letter that John was like, oh, I love this. Which, by the way, was a brutal experience. Uh, you know, these these are old time copywriting coaches where if you did something stupid, it was like five pages of exactly how stupid you were. Um, so John <laughs> John loved his letter. Gary loved loved his letter. Gary's letter out pulled the other one by wow, it's like 8,000%. What was the difference? Well, in, in the letter that Gary loved, I talked about all the things that women experience. So there was a bit of copy in there about how uh, when she was a girl, her dad would make fun of her, you know, how, you know, her husband, she's got ideas of helping the family out, you know, her husband's, yeah, he's not really making ends meet, he, you know, he's not really uh, achieving what's he, what, he, what he wants at his job. Uh, she wants to help contribute to the family, but every time she tries, he puts her down. Well, it's because you know he feels insecure, so she doesn't want to do something that's going to take his place. Well, I mean, that's just a day in their life. So why would I do that? Well, it's because that's what the old-timey copywriter said to do. 
Whereas if you look at today, like the modern version, like what Seth says is so dumbed down, you're not really going to get the results. Um, and so you've got to get to this place where when you, when you think about the day in the life, my litmus test was goosebumps. Like if I read a sales, like even now when I'm thinking about it, I would, like the hair would, would raise on my arms. Like I knew I'd connected to something. And inevitably those were my, the best sales copy from a performance standpoint. And I'm not saying like you have to, you know, get goosebumps every time you write something, but you need to make that emotional connection. And so that unfortunately is, I mean, yeah, like Simon Sinek talks about, you know, find your why, but it's all this, it's not even fluff anymore, George. I mean, it's, it's just, it's devoid of the, the true essence, the power of copy of words on a page. Uh, I mean, it's, it's most of the time we don't have, have the uh, effect we can convey with our voice. Like obviously I'm getting excited about what I'm talking about. When you're writing, you don't have that luxury. You, you know, when you've got a, an ad out there, pay-per-click, uh, you know, or sorry, pay-per-click, if it's text-based, you don't have that luxury. If you've got a, you know, a sales page or if you've got a, an article, you, you don't have a, a way other than your words to evoke that emotion. Um, and you don't even have to be a great writer. I mean, we're not trying to be Hemingway here. All we're trying to do is to convey to somebody that we understand them. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, if you talk to a neuroscience, it's really pretty simple. It's that without emotion, human beings don't know how to put their socks on. I mean, they've literally examined people who've had the emotional center in their brain damaged or taken out by surgery or radiation or something like that, and they will literally not be able to put on their socks, uh, meaning they can't go into a drawer and pick between the one on the left and the one on the right. So you've got to come to grips with that reality. And depending on you know, how far over in the emotional land you go, will really you know, determine your success. So yeah, it's about finding your community, but when you, when you get to what makes that work, it's far, far richer and deeper than just that. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Need to make that emotional connection with, with people. Otherwise, it's just not gonna matter, right? Well, and people, you know, the, the cliche is uh, something like, you know, they don't- Don't, they don't care how know much how you know until they know how much you care. Thank you. Okay, well, but what does that mean, right? So um, I am burdened with wanting to know how stuff works, but also why it works. So that to me is like meaningless information. It's like, okay, what? Come on. Uh, you know, there's also some childhood trauma going on there too. <laughs> That's another show. We'll get on the couch later. Um, it's, you've got to express it in a way that's not just authentic like we throw it around, so if you're if you're sitting in front of somebody and you and you tell them a story that you think demonstrates that you care, you need to look for signs that they get it. Eyebrows up. The easy way to do it, like when I'm pitching or if I'm raising money or something like that, what I'm waiting for is my prospective investor to get excited enough that they interrupt me and then tell me a story mm. that includes them involved in the company. Um, and so we don't, we don't need to, we don't need a whole lot of instruction to do this. It's like, if you walk into a room, uh, George, do you watch uh, Marvel movies? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm a Marvel freak. I, I grew up reading <laughs> Marvel comics. I worked at a comic book store. I got paid in comics for crying out loud. Nice. Well, I can tell in like two seconds whether somebody's a real fan. That's what I'm talking about. You, we know how to do this stuff already. So the way you show somebody to somebody that you care, like I did in that sewing letter is that they they get it at that level. 
at a visceral level. Nice. That's, I mean, I, I can totally put myself in, in that position where, I'm, you know, I'm watching somebody present and, you know, I'm leaning in and I'm wanting to interject with, with, with how that applies to my personal situation. So for sure, I can totally get that. I love it. Well, a lot of the guys, so I, I like arming entrepreneurs so that they don't get sold so much crap. Hmm. So one, one way that you can defend yourself when, you know, if you're in a, you know, a, a thinly veiled seminar that's actually a sales a sales pitch um, is try and implement what they're saying. Like, can you write out a way to use what they're giving you? And then more importantly, can you put numbers to it? Uh, so the defense against all of this stuff being done to you is to get yourself into numbers very quickly. Uh, and what do, what do I mean by that? So if somebody's giving you a, you know, a technique for advertising, then you want to actually start writing down a budget, right? So if I have spent $10 a day uh, and, you know, buy ads right now, we're getting, you know, 4% response, just start writing down rough numbers. That's going to you jerk your brain out of that emotional land. But more importantly, it's also going to help you to, you know, understand if what somebody's telling you is actually going to make you some money. Yeah, I love it. Well, Maceo, the people are ready for your difference-making tip, even though you've already given us a bunch. What do you have for them? The key to growth... Uh, which is different than scaling is thinking small, right? We, everybody wants 10,000 of this or a million customers. And look, you can't sell a million if you can't sell one. Mm. And so if I don't care if, if I'm talking to a, you know, a company that's got 10 million in sales trying to go to 20 or hundred trying to go to 200. Usually if something is going wrong, it's because they've lost sight of that small audience they're, they've gone into this this zone of thinking so huge, it's like missing the forest for the trees. Uh, but actually in reverse, it's like they're missing the trees for the forest. Um, you know, and so all the, you know, 50,000 foot view, you know, that all of those kind of cliches uh, are, are built around this idea. So if you're having problems uh, or if you just don't even know where to start, start with one. Go talk to a person um, and think, not someone in your family. Don't talk to your mom. Don't talk to your dad, your brother, <laughs> your uncle. I mean, for for lots of reasons. They may try and talk you out of it because they think it's stupid. They may be so supportive that they're giving you bogus information. Um, Gary Halbert, in fact, he would drive around in a hot pink Mercedes because if somebody had you know enough to, enough to come up to the car and talk to him, he would inevitably start reading them his copy. And if his his only metric was that they said, hey, where do I get that? which I've taken, like if I give somebody sales copy and they say, oh man, that's pretty good, I throw it out. I'm like, okay, this sucks. Because what they need to say is I want that. That's the way you, you get refocused. Again, it doesn't matter if you've got 100 in sales, zero in sales, or 100 million in sales. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Like, oh, that sounds pretty good. No. Where do I get that? That's that's the response you need. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And 100%, I, I can, you know, just from my personal experience and for people that I talk to, it's so easy to do and, again, fall into that trap of, oh, I'm going to have a – I'm going to touch a million lives. Well, you just got to start with one, bro. You just got to – Why do you do You just got to get the first one and then the second one and then the fifth and 20th and 100th first and, and, and then go from there. I love it. Well, Maceo, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Best place to engage is maceojordan.com. Uh, I've got two projects I'm working on right now. One is at connexia.com. Uh, that's in the healthcare space. We're bringing hospital quality healthcare into the home. 
then another project with a bunch of five maniacs like myself called Laura.TV where we're canceling Hollywood. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Maceo your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to MaceoJordan.com. That's M-A-C-E-O-J-O-U-R-D-A-N.com. Check out everything he's working on, particularly these two new initiatives, bringing healthcare into the home and getting rid of Hollywood. Love it. Thanks again, Maceo. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.